Hey, it's Matt Herman. Thanks for joining us. Today we are speaking with noted author and educator Cecilia Eves Walker, better known to the hair universe as CC Eves. So let's tune in, turn on, and begin this episode of Hair, the American Tribal Love Rock Podcast. Hair Podcast, the American Tribal Love Rock Podcast. With me today is alumni, a hair veteran uh, from the Boston National Tour, New York, and the film, as well as the film soundtrack. Everyone, please welcome Cece Eves to the show. How are you doing, Cece? Thank you so much for taking the time. You know, I am so happy to be here with you, Matthew. I, I, and I am so grateful that you thought to even to do this. You know, anything that will bring history and the, and the whole point of what hair was to the forefront in this day, it's really great to see it being done. Well, it's it's very true because what I've noticed of having I've worked with Michael Butler for probably about eleven years now, and it's mm-hmm. it's out of any other show. There's such a, a a personal and a sentimental connection to it, and a lot of times with you know every production going on and that you know this and that and everything happens. It's it's a lot of times people know the idea of hair but they don't know the intricacies Ooh. of it. And a lot of it really was you, the cast. As I said earlier, you were in the Boston and national tour and, and the Broadway one and the, and the film and the soundtrack. How did you get involved with hair? Were you a hippie? I was, I was still in high school. I had just come back from a tour in actually in, in Israel with the Zionist youth group. And I had been a dancer, so I had switched schools. When I switched schools, my sister was going to Simmons College and she, because I guess it was advertising at the school, but she knowing me, I I had been singing since my grandfather's in my grandfather's um, synagogue as a kid. And he was always calling me to sing and always calling me. So she knew I could sing. And she says, you know, they're having auditions for hair. And because she was like a mentor sister, whatever she said I did. So... (laughs) I went, I said, okay. So I had a group of girls who I sang with and we went down and we did the audition. And so I was not a hippie. I was, um, I was a high school student at the time. But that's one of the things about it is because theater is one of the only places where, where you can get people from all different walks of life and all different beliefs to come down and to sit in a, in a dark room together and pretend. And it's the same with the people on stage. Mm. It's such a connection going on. And it's, it's interesting how you use your talents to help tell these stories. And mm-hmm. which was your first production? Was it Boston? I started with Boston, Boston hair. They called it Eastern hair. Each <laughs> tribe had a, had a kind of like this coined name that went along with it. So ours was Eastern. We were in Boston. Um, we had, uh, well, we were mostly traumatized because, you know, Boston did not, was very ultra conservative. Mm-hmm. And so they even shut us down for a period of time. So, no, I began with Boston uh, at the Wilbur Theater. I think it was the Boston production was what sent it to the Supreme Court. I know that there was exactly. two Supreme Courts yeah. and it was the flag. And was it the profanity? Mm. It was the nude scene. Oh, the nude. Oh. <laughs> the nude scene. <laughs> Nobody forgets that. But it was critical to the statement of the time. 
um, again, the emphasis on freedom, on freedom of speech, you know, and the way that we're speaking at that time was mostly for civil rights, human rights. And so hair was breaking down those barriers right then. And so it was critical. In fact, it was, I, I even listened to Marvin Gaye, and I, I, I don't mean to almost digress in that, but Marvin Gaye, who had, there was, a, there was a show in Detroit, show in Chicago, and there were all over the states, and I guess maybe in, maybe at least 30 states. I could be wrong, Michael could tell you uh, more definitely. But um, listening to the show and visiting to the show, I think is where he got his thing for uh, his, his big um, piece. Uh, what was that piece that he did that everybody loves? Uh, what's going on? Mm-hmm. That whole album of what's going on, as, you know, he does the hair, he does um, the, the, the length of hair and why are we judged? It, a lot of it came from people who went to see hair frequently and it expanded. It was it was mind expanding, and also it was expanding our universal understanding in America at the same time. That's that's very that's very true. Is that because um, it was a representation on stage of of what people were living in the streets. It was it wasn't a it wasn't a candy coating. Now nowadays, some productions seem a little more nostalgia and that stuff as well. But it it really was a it was real. It was very real. It was very now. It was, it was the moment. People were actually on the streets passing out flowers and saying love and freedom and peace to all. That was actually going on. The, you know, Because we do this thing with Buddha, uh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. We're doing all of those things, but they were live and in living color at the moment. That we were a living, breathing entity of what was actually going on, as you say, on the streets. What did you, um, what you were talking about with the color and everything, because at that time period, I, I unfortunately was not a, I was not a, I was not even a thought during that time. (laughs) But they had um, a lot of it with the the thing. Um, Do you remember what your costume was? Did you have a favorite costume piece? Well, I began, yeah, well, my costume, my first costume, um, because I was, again, I'm, (laughs) I'm from, I'm from a religious background and I didn't let them do anything to me at first. So I'm wearing these jeans. I had a low cut jeans, but my shirt was like a Boston Bruin shirt. Then they gravitated me into like the jeans and then like a halter top. Always some rip in the jeans, always some fringe on the sides. We also wore moccasins. That was my custom. My, uh, I also did electric blues. So that was um, the mirrored uh, short uh, what they would call a mini skirt now, the mini dress. So I had that with the headband. And then of course I ended up becoming Sheila. I didn't start as being Sheila, I was understudy. But my my lead Sheila, whom I really love, um, developed nodes. And so I ended up taking on the part. So I, I closed out the Boston show as Sheila. Sheila Franklin, second Sheila semester. <laughs> yeah. NYU. She's a protester. Gotta remember that. <laughs> so important. It's so well, it's also fascinating because a lot of times people don't know that there was actually music underneath it. They thought it was just a chant. I've seen some productions where they just chant it and they don't they don't realize that it was all underscored. Um as you were talking about, you said it was, I think you had said it was a religious background. Um, was there any kind of conflict that you had? I mean, how, when you go to say, hey, come and mm-hmm. see me in this show, how was, how was that perceived? 
Well, you know, I was underage, so my father kind of made all of those agreements with hair at the time. So um, I wasn't forced to do the nude scene. I wasn't forced to work on Friday nights because I was keeping the Sabbath. So I didn't do Friday night, which is another reason why I didn't get the lead was because I, because of how my schedule was. Mm-hmm. And then um, Saturday evening, I was allowed to go. And so that, that was that was some of the stipulations. I looked down in the, into the pews one night and there was my rabbi sitting there. That really, <laughs> that sold it for me. That was wonderful. I, I never commented to him, never went back. It was just an experience that I said, wow, he's here. But yeah, um, everyone kind of like, they weren't, um, they were in agreement with the moment. It was like because it was speaking for the voiceless. And, and, and when anybody can take a, a charismatic approach to what the problems are and then make it palatable or it's agreeable to everyone. Isn't it funny how no matter how many people are in the audience, you immediately see the ones you know? Yeah, he was in the orchestra. Pit. I, he must have been first row, first seat and where I was stationed as a tribe member was right at the beginning of um, downstage left, mm-hmm. uh, right where the stairs go down. Because, you know, as hair, we were in the audience. So when you came up, you had to come up a set of stairs. So I sat right there and he was in the orchestra pit, which wasn't being used because the band was on the stage. And in that first row in the orchestra and the first seat on stage left, it was pretty cool. How exciting, how exciting to be like, you know, as you were saying, you know, in teenager and at a, at a high school, being able to say, well, I'm going to the show, you know, like, oh, and you would walk past mm. everybody because I'm sure the audience, some of the audience was, were just as wild as the people that the action that was happening on stage. No, the audiences at that time were very conservative. They would, you know, you went to the theater, you was dressed. We were, we were totally avant-garde. We were totally against the moment because we were wearing our hair. We were sweating all over the place and we were in barefoot and they were dressed elegantly. It was a juxtapositioned um, moment in that. But the fact that they came, that they were willing to, you know, and I'll just leave it just like that, willing to um, be changed, to be inspired, to look at things differently. So it, it was an interesting moment. Um, school, I missed a lot of school because the rehearsals were from uh, eight in the morning until, well, five at night. My, my high school was with me because my high school was also promoting me in, in, in lots of other ways. They were trying to get me scholarships to go to um, particular colleges. Um, I was already in all city chorus. I was already in an elite group. And that's actually where I met Donna Summer because Donna Gaines was in all city chorus with me in Boston. So it was, I mean, so everyone was in cooperation with the moment. As you said, like with Donna Summer, was there any other big, big memories that you have or, or is there something, and I know like once the show was going on and, and you're there, but was there ever a mm. moment that you were able to step back and, and see like, this is what I'm doing. Like I'm a part of something. Did it, did, you, was, did it ever feel that it was a, exactly. a, something bigger than what you were? It, all, I, it, it felt a part of me. I felt like I lived and breathed it. It spoke for me. It, the statements I agreed. So there was no, I wasn't fighting with myself over this. I agreed with them. 
you know, um, let's let's do this protest. I can I can bring us up to 2020 when, when the kids finally started to protest. I was like, when are they going to ever speak out against these things that are troubling them? And so I said, they need a hair moment. So I I mean, really, it was I was so aligned with it. Um, and then I and still I live by the principles of it. What do you see the messages that are still? I look at it and I see it's very similar mm. to what was happening then is still happening today. And there's still that we've made steps, yeah. but I don't feel that we fully come to the right, you know, we've all come into an agreement, but what do you hope mm. to see that the future, like the audiences, the younger, especially the younger audiences that see the show, because I was in, I got involved. Um, I found out about it when I was in eighth grade because I was I was a child actor doing summer stock and they said, oh, you need a they were talking about hair and, mm -hmm. and it was this revelation because it was like, it was something that I'd never, never seen before. And it was heavily influenced. Mm -hmm. What do you hope that the future audiences and the future generations that see it? What do you what do you hope that they learn from it? I want them to understand because um, it goes through. Uh... It goes through a period of, of, of awakening, you know, the moment of the Aquarius coming together as a group. And that's one of the things we have to do. We need to come together as a people. We need to be united in some kind of thought that's for the betterment of the world. And the next thing is we get, um, we get the, 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 the male characters, Berger and Claude. But Sheila is the, is the heart of, the, of this group. She is exactly. the voice of reason she says let's do this let's protest let's make this noise then it shifts to um where they have to actually go against the grain of the norm and that is that's really difficult this is where your conscience comes into play you know where what are your moral views on things do you are you pro-war do you think we should be thinking something else how do you think we should do a uh, sit down a symposium so that, that's where that is. And when we come back, we have, um, we're, we're, we have them talking about they're going to send this child off to war. So you want to have the audience have a perspective of the world that they live in. And yes, you can make a difference even in that. Voice yourself, find your voice and make it. So, um, and again, you know, the ending with let the sun shine in is the hope. Is That's the hope. That's the universal hope that we hope for the world let the sun shine it's true because it 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 gives a um a larger idea was there any part of the show that had to be explained to you I, at that point, I already had a sense of 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 rightness and wrongness so i already i came with a moral barometer yeah so i'm i mean even though you know drugs were fluent and they were everywhere i mean you you have to have a sense of mind and keep your grip on things. So what do you, what do I want? I want, I guess that's the lesson I want to say. I don't <laughs> care who you're around or what you see. You need to have a sense of yourself and to know what you will do and what you will not do and stand true to yourself. I think that's basically, I think that would be the common uh, thing I would say to anyone underage before, before they're truly exposed. And then at 18, you're committed. So if you do something in that age, you're going to be like committed to that. So you want to make sure that before that age, you have formed some type of reasoning in yourself. 
and I, I believe in having a moral barometer somewhere. And that makes and that makes perfect sense because if you look at it and the they they reference drugs in the show, but they actually don't partake until the second act, um, until the whole Claude's hallucination and that stuff. And I find that that's mm-hmm. one thing. A lot of times people associate that activity with the show, but the show was really all peace and love and togetherness and finding a belonging. You know, it, mm-hmm. it kind of seems like all these these people are, these characters are all kind of, you know, ships in a storm and it's just kind of a safe harbor bringing it to, together. Um, exactly. And, I mean, and even when it brings in Timothy Leary and Leary was, was one of those experimental uh, uh, doctors at the time was experimenting with the, with the different types of drugs. And I mean, I'm studying him in psychology even to this very day. And, and what that was mainly at that time, we were trying to find understanding. They were looking for reasoning. Um, mind-expanding drugs were used to look at the world a little differently. Um, our world has become so corrupt at this point that we don't hardly have a free um, homespun position and we're being exposed to so many things that may agree with you and may not mm-hmm. but at that time it was a time when people were trying to welcome change and understand change and what what, what must one do in order to be a change a change element so uh, the, the drug use was quite different and, 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 and if they use, if they're going to be into that and, and get into that, you, again, like I said, you need to have a, an understanding of yourself. What, what are you looking for? Are you just going along with the crowd? Um, and and, and that's, those are critical questions that, that really are applicable to kids and, yeah. and to our, I guess, our nation as a whole. And I feel, and I feel that in, in some aspects, it has gone a little bit away from that. And I feel that in others, it, it is a little more embraced, but it's that to know yourself and especially being in Boston, which was such kind of a, a controversial and a, you know, pivotal time of that, of that time of the show being there. I'm sure there's people that, you know, protested the show. I remember Michael telling me when he was in London, people would have, you know, signs that, you know, Michael Butler is the devil and, and all of this stuff, but it's, it's, it, it's ushering in some change. And it, yeah. it brings into a new a new world. A lot of things that is it's been very interesting mm-hmm. where they talk about with the show is a lot of a lot of influence with the with Native American. Mm-hmm. It was identifying with the Native American, their plight. Who was speaking up for them though? They had wounded knee, but they really didn't have a public group of performers speaking about rights and rights for all people, especially the indigenous at that time. That's why we were in headbands and, and wearing the moccasins. We were, we were identifying with their plight and, and, and more importantly, taking on the responsibility of fighting for their plight, mm-hmm. speaking up for their plight, making the community, each community, and that's the thing about hair, it went into the stage and into your community and where you came and you had to take that back out. So it was, it was, it was very fluid and, and was extremely important, as you say, and non-mockingly done. 
it it i feel sometimes society gets into a knee-jerk reaction and they they look over the scope but don't look into the details of it and to take the time to understand mm-hmm. and, and to understand and communication and that was one thing about the show especially as you were talking about with the structure of it at the beginning it, it introduces all these characters and then it the second act it delves more into a story and then it's you know it's it's effective that way um I want to talk about the film for a bit. Um, how was how was doing? Because very, you know, a lot of times when a, a show or a Broadway, technically a Broadway musical, when they have, they make the transition to the silver screen. Some people, um, it's not as effective because it's something about seeing live theater and and that immediate gratification and working as an audience, working with the actors and the response and, and back and forth. Um, And I also know the the history of the film and I had the pleasure of reading the Colin Higgins draft, which is one of the most beautiful things I've ever read in my entire life. Um, But more importantly with the soundtrack, how, how was it is if you listen okay. to the soundtrack can you can you pick out yeah. your do you hear yourself i hear my voice i hear my voice i had that i was singing uh my voice um that was given to me by tom was um second soprano so on the top of it was three other because he kept everybody he kept them in threes three first sopranos three second sopranos three altos um and tenor baritones and and all the way down to bass it was always in three sets of groups now, um, so yeah, I hear my voice. I know my voice. I know my voice part. He changed the musical lines are slightly different from the actual recordings and uh, stage recordings and the stage stage performances. Mm-hmm. So I had to like like you know, missing like whatever particular song. Um, I can still hear that the line of that song is different, but yeah. it was it was some adjusting. It was some adjusting because he had his musical interpretation and we and we we definitely honored it for him because he was making his musical mark so yeah there was some there was a lot of musical adjustments because we didn't we weren't really having all in some of the chorus parts though i do know people who were singing the chorus who were off stage the chorus that this was done and the recording of that were was very different from what we were doing on stage we we didn't really have the hollering and that 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 loud yell in the back because we generally sang as a united group so that the voices on the um the soundtrack the recording is is definitely um more creative i would say more creative Mm -hmm. a more creative outlet and it's also very it's also it's also fascinating because also you know people talk about current current shows a lot you know hamilton was very popular wicked was very popular rent and all that and I always bring out the amount of radio covers of hair and even the even the gap mm-hmm. campaign that's out recent that that's currently running now where it's just let the sun shine in. It's fascinating. And it's such a sense of I can imagine it's such a sense of pride to, you know, like the work still needs, you know, there's still work to do, yeah. but it's, it's to, to make that contribution of it. Very true. What happened? Very true. It's very rewarding. Often, it's often rewarding when you hear the song. Like it's, it's still alive. Very good. I know, right? I mean, I was just listening to like uh, I'm playing you in Warwick in the car right now, and then here comes the uh, the Fifth Dimension singing uh, "Let the Sun Shine in an Aquarius," and every and 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 each moment of that, I think your 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 every fiber of you, it still ignites that that hope and that 
possibility that we can really do this. I'm still hoping for us to get this in, in practice for real. So it, it does make you commit over and over again every time you hear it. When you're performing on stage, it's <laughs> night after night and, and doing that. Was there, was there a part of the show that you really enjoyed doing? Or is there like, what was your favorite part of the show? Was it a... I think the most titillating part was when Aquarius starts. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the way we were, the way we were, and of course the ending, the most two songs on the on each end of the spectrum of the show are just so, oh my God, they're still ethereal. So when you're coming into the, into the theater and you're passing the audience and you finally make it to the stage where the group is singing together and you join that group and those arms go together, it's, that to me is like a heart stopping. Mm-hmm. The other is the ending after you've gone through everything and all the love you guys have expressed, all the anger that was in with Sheila with Claude and Berger, and then um, having to get to um, where do we go, where do I go, et cetera, et cetera. And then the final thing when Claude is actually killed. Now, see, in the movie, they have Berger killed, which mm-hmm. doesn't really, to me, do the same thing as Claude because Claude is the beloved. He's the he's our um, he's uh, again he's the moral barometer of the of, of of the show. He is who we are looking up to. All focus is on him, and so when he comes back in that with his hair cut and that army hat on his head, and we lay him down as a sign that he has passed. Flush failures becomes the song. That mm-hmm. is, that to me resonates so deep. And then, of course, um, the hope again is letting the sun shine in. But that's that's how I see it. A lot of times, I go over Sheila's song, "Easy to Be Hard." I was just telling somebody the other day that no, it's not easy to be hard. It's it's easy, it, it, though the song is saying that. I said it's really easy to be kind, and people will take the hard route versus taking the easy route, just being kind, just showing graciousness, you know, um, gentlemanship, you know, female kindness, do those things and um, the world will <laughs> miraculously more into a kinder way. So that's, that's, that's my, my take on, uh, on the easy to be hard song. That's a sad song. It is. It's. It's actually. Uh, Michael has told me multiple times that that's his favorite. That's his favorite song, in the mm. show because it. It's. It is. And why do you think it's that weird? That. Why do you think people? You know what? Why do? You, why do you think people to what do that? It? I mean, it's easy. It's hey, a smile costs nothing, and it uses less muscles than it does for a frown. Mm-hmm. Why do you? Why do you feel mm-hmm. that that people are are guarded in that aspect? That that. Is it is it a is it an internal struggle that, you know, they got to keep up their defenses and this is this or? Mm. It's definitely part of the face keeping and and my God, once you get past the point where you're not worried about your face, and that your heart is really what you really want to show when you when you get from from face to heart, then you realize that it's really the kindness and kindness is what comes out on your face and what the world greets and the world sees. That's your love that you share. So in, in, in the aspect of easy to be hard is like she says to Berger, what's your problem? 
you treat everybody else kind of if there's a if there is a, a, a reason to um, to uh, feed the poor and hungry you're in that but what's what's going on between you and I that you can't show me that kindness that same kindness and that's where that's why she tells the song it it's easy to be hard but it really it really is a um, a misnomer in that it's easier to be kind. You hit the nail on the head right there. I, I, that's very, you're a very inspirational person. Um, this is kind of off topic, but did he really rip the shirt every night, the satin shirt? Or Every night. They had a ton of those shirts. The, the wardrobe made them every day. <laughs> I mean, there were tons of them. And every night he ripped it. Every single night. Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, there were times I cried when my director had to tell me, look, I don't want to really cry about this. <laughs> it's just, you, you want to <laughs> project outward to the audience and your, your sadness on it. And um, yeah, Berger every single night ripped that shirt. And um, the, some of them had a different take on it. Like someone said, screaming yellow zonkers. Someone would say, you know, how they threw it up in the air and how they slowly ripped it in front of her. You know, I brought you back this gift, she says, you know, and then he, you know, plays with it all over the stage and then he, you know, ultimately ripped it. It's one of the most, it's one of the most heartbreaking uh, moments in the show. I <laughs> Where she's like, oh, you dig it delicious. And then he goes and runs and then it's, oh, it, it's, you know, yeah. but it's that realness. It's that realness. And that's that's one thing about yeah. hair. It was the first time it was with the show. It was, it was showing those, those. Mm-hmm. Where now we're taking those for granted. We're taking um, rude positions or uh, being brusque and being, uh, you know, here we go, word unkind again to one another. But at that time, that was like that. Oh, it wasn't You were wearing gloves. Women were wearing gloves and hats and patent leather shoes. And kids were wearing full dress suits and Girls were wearing patent leather, patent leather shoes with socks at the bottom. You know, it was it was a different time, a different era, an era that was um, I don't know, really untainted by by what we see now. It was it, it so it came right in between that. Mm-hmm. Um, where we were coming from out of the uh, out of the fifties and the purity of the fifties and getting into the sixties and to the seventies. The sixties was really about turmoil in America and everybody's in turmoil. So here was in that little, it sliced itself right in the middle of that Mm -hmm. and was able to bring out in us, you know, either our hidden fears or hidden thoughts or hidden behaviors and it exposed it, you know? And so um, Berger represents that. He breaks the, he represents the breakdown in our, our niceties are, you know, eating with a fork. And, you know, it was, it was, he made us be raw, made us look at life more raw. Mm-hmm. And I guess we have to be mindful of that. So you, you really don't want to take that to a, such an extreme limit, but that's where we are now. But see, but that's one good thing about, especially like with theater and whatnot, it gives people a, a chance to live vicariously through one another and, and to see the characters and, and experience it without having to have the, the emotional, mm-hmm. personal hardship, because you can always draw the, the relations. And, you know, I see you were upset because of this. I was upset at a time. I could see how this, it just brings people together in such a wonderful, 
um, mm. it's a way and it's, it's warts and all, you know what I mean? And that's the one thing that I think is so yeah. at the end of the first act when, you know, everybody is, is, you know, with the nude scene and it, and it brings it in and mm-hmm. it becomes. It was a little relief at the second act. The second act is a little like you, 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 you can exhale at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the reality of this part becomes what, um, when you look at the war, you, you look at religion because you have the monks, you have the, the, you have the nuns, you have, uh, you know, it has those, there's the series of that, that scene where they're using the flicker, the flicker light, mm-hmm. where we're, we're, we're looking at things really like, you know, a flash in a flash. And then you're having your mind expanding experience and that whole, that whole scene there, what a piece of work is, man, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and being able to, again, it's all, it's really about challenging. It was challenging us where we were, where are we going? So that was, that was highly significant. And that's one of the other beautiful songs in there. It's, it's ham, you know, it's Hamlet. They, they reference hair references, a lot of, you know, a lot of Shakespeare, even eyes look your last, um, hearts take your last embrace mm. and live so you through the door. Yeah. As well as other pop, you know, pop culture and media. And it really, that's one thing that people don't really kind of understand is that it, it's, it's a true reflection in a slice of that time period where it's not just, oh, free love and oh, there, everybody was very smart and very articulate, mm. you know, it, it expressed mm. and there was mm-hmm. a desire to improve and, and personal improvement and social improvement. And, and as you, as you said, from the fifties going into the, into the sixties, there was that turmoil and people were starting to look to different, different areas and how to get the different influences and, and that stuff. And, and some of the, some of and a modern audience may look like, you know, there's yoga studios on every corner and all this other stuff. And, but it really was an introduction to, to that kind of, you know, lifestyle and, and, um, and love, you know? Um, yeah. So after you left, what, what, what happened after you left the show? I went to school. I was negligent. Um, I was supposed to go to school, <laughs> go to college. My family was very college oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go to Emerson. I couldn't get an Emerson. Um, I was applying late. So I ended up going to Boston University. I went to BU for a while. I was studying religion, of course. And then um, I got into modeling. I was, you know, doing um, you know, other things like that. I, I tried to keep close to the arts, but life was moving me in another, kind of like another vein. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going back and forth to California from Massachusetts. I then studying accounting, went from accounting into computer science, and then went from computer science into like into finally into education. And in each part of that, I think what I kept was a running theme of 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 the principles of the show, so that whatever my choice was, whatever however I was impacting my world or the world. I wanted it to be a significant focus on we can change this or we can do something better. We can become better. So like right even now I'm in, um, I'm in a doctorate program for um, human and organizational psychology because I, I still believe in, I believe in the principles of AI, I really do. Is there anything you're currently wa- working on? Or is there any organizations that you're involved with? I know that a lot of people uh, have gone in to do outreach and that stuff as well. Is there any? Is there any organizations that you're involved that you would like to you would like to plug or um, 
Well, well my, my book, my latest book is on, um, on charter school and is it possible to have a faith-based um, charter school focus and really that the title is not really the meat of what the book is, but the book is really about diversity and inclusion and how do we get everyone involved in the educational process? How do we make room for every child in education? And so that's my big book, and it's called, uh, I, better, I better get the title and look at it for real. I'll make sure to include, okay. I'll, I'll make sure to include the link in the show notes and everything. Um, so people Thank can go you. and check it out because it's important. Education right. is important. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's, it it's, important such a formative time for you know the young adult and it's it's important that there's that they realize where they are is not where they have to be you know it's not where they're always going to be that there's that opportunity to to go and have these experiences Mm -hmm. and I feel a lot of times Mm -hmm. with with the youth it's like okay well Tommy likes soccer well Tommy's going to do soccer forever but it's it's you know there's life is a buffet you know or a smorgasbord to mm-hmm. quote anti mame but it gives yeah, them that chance yeah. that people can go and learn and you have that experiences and that's what that's what makes you able to connect to one another and to other you know the other people right. basically education to me it should be a safe haven it should be where kids can 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 dapple and figure out what they want to be in a safe environment they need to feel secure they're not going to be mocked and there will be ridicule of them in, in expressing their ideas or the, wherever their feelings are. So that's where, really where I say is that if it's possible, we can really change. Here we go, the paradigm of education, we need to do so. I'm right there with you. Well, as I had said earlier, there's protest aspects and everything. And I know with the 60s mm. and a lot of the marches, people, people had their protest signs. And because it's a chance because you can scream it to the mountaintops, but then you can also stand behind your words. And I think words are very important. If you were to have, Cece, if you were to have a, a protest sign and it doesn't have to be in, 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 a, in a protest or just an affirmation, or if you had a sign, what would your sign say? We as a people can get to the other side. That's fantastic. And, you know, I think someday we will. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taken, you know, sometimes we have big steps and sometimes we have small steps, but as long as we're striving forward, you know, with the best intentions, we'll, we'll get there. Cece Eves, thank you so, so much for taking the time and speaking You're with welcome, us today. Matt. It's an absolute it. delight. Thank Th- you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. A lot of blessings. I'll wait, you know, again, <laughs> beads and flowers. Peace to you. I'll wait to hear from you, Matt. Please take care of yourself. Thank and you. promise me that. And I'll, you're welcome. I'll listen out for you. Cecilia Eves Walker is a noted author and educator whose recent book, Charter Schools, as a faith-based initiative, can be found through Amazon or wherever books are sold. Hair, the American Tribal Love Rock podcast, is a production of The Hair Company. Michael Butler, Matthew Herman, Conwell Worthington, John and Jeannie Cutler, with assistance from Nina Macklin-Dayton in The Hair Archive. A very, very special thank you goes to James Rado, Jerome Ragney, and Galt McDermott, whose music was featured in this episode. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, we can be reached by email at podcast at hair-live.com. That's podcast at H-A-I-R-L-I-V-E.com. We hope you have a wonderful week. And remember, be free, be whoever you are, do whatever you do, just so long as you don't hurt anyone. And remember, I am your friend.